Well, thank you for being here, and uh, it's a good day. Uh, we are, uh, as Martha said, uh, trying to figure out where we are in this journey that we've been on, and so our current series is about that. It's about how life is a process of ups and downs that shape us along the way as God's with us. And so uh, hopefully somewhere along this series, uh, last week or in the, this week or the two weeks to come, you will have a moment where you say, oh, we are here, or I am here, you, the you are here moment and a sense of God's presence in that, what God maybe is doing to shape you through the process into the image of Christ for the sake of others and for the sake of his call in your life and an awareness of where that is leading you. We're, you're on a journey, and we're going to try to find each other uh, along the way with God's help. Uh, I want to celebrate as we start this morning our Discovery Weekend. So this, uh, this weekend we had 26 6th or 7th graders coming into our youth group and 15 high school leaders that were in this room. I think that picture was yesterday. Uh, there you see our parents uh, praying for those kids as part of this intentional uh, journey we are on with our young people. And so we started this many years ago to help our uh, students integrate into the youth group. We don't just drop them in there without uh, any context. We come around them and they wear shirts with different, that's the Rams who won the, uh, the competition. Both my boys were Rams and they won. I don't know what that says, but um, they look pretty happy about it, except Kellen up there didn't look so happy. But uh, we are happy to be able to do these things. I had a parent text me and say, thank you for being able to do this in person. <laughs> And I didn't get texts like that, uh, exactly like that, before the pandemic, right? We're, we're grateful. Uh, our Yes group, our older adults, uh, our Young Enough to Serve group, uh, serves breakfast uh, historically, traditionally, to our Discovery Weekend and made pancakes for them. And I came in yesterday and the kids were talking about how good the pancakes were. And the uh, older folks were talking about how good it was to be around the kids and to be able to, to get back to some things that we've been doing. So it's been a good weekend. And then, of course, Rhythm, our service for, uh, for high school and middle school students, sixth grade and up, starts today um, in the Cup of Hope. So uh, we're excited about that. We're getting back to school. Uh, we've had a baptism. It's, it's been a good day. There is a lot to celebrate, and it's good to remind ourselves of that. So uh, we are talking about the journey. Last week we talked about what it's like to encounter God, and we heard the story of Moses and how Moses uh, resisted that God's plan in his life, as we all do, and then ultimately was drawn into God's grander vision for his life and did so through God stretching him. And we're going to talk about all of those elements again today. Uh, so here's a headline. How's this for a headline? Central Kentucky man flees the police on a tractor. Now, that would be good enough, but then it continues. The chase ends on a golf course. So this happened just this July, only 150 miles from here. Evidently, the person at the center of this pursuit had been getting fuel at the gas station with his tractor, and the police confronted him, and he thought the best way to handle that situation was to try to get away from them on his tractor. Uh, with the maximum speed of 40 miles an hour. Uh, there's video of this, thank God. And um, that's at the golf course. One of the golfers was picking up his, or a guy was picking up his kid at the golf course. And this is, by the way, dangerous. Don't try this at home. It needs to be said. I don't think it should have to be said, but it needs to be said. Don't try this at home. Uh, he, flee he went through several yards, ran some stop signs, went down this public path, and ended up on the golf course. You want to guess, do how does this end? not well, right? He, uh, he ran his tractor into the ditch, 
got out to try to outrun the police and was tased on the golf course. If you think that's extreme, last year in England, a man tried to run from police as well. And uh, he lived in an area where there were some canals. And so he jo jumped into a boat, stole the boat, and uh, led the police on an eight-mile chase down a canal. The problem is that the boat that he jumped into had a maximum speed, not of 40 miles an hour, but four miles an hour. <laughs> to call it a chase is a bit of an exaggeration. And so here's the quote. This is, this is great. Uh, from a Newsweek article. Cops estimated that the boat at top speed moved no faster than four miles an hour. Go home and look up the picture. It, looks, it doesn't look like it would float, hardly. Uh, he could have picked a better boat. And as a suspect frantically tried to get away, a pursuing officer took a leisurely bike ride on the path next to the water, <laughs> keeping an eye on him. As you might guess, it, if you ask, um, if you, you do some research, uh, trying to run from the police is a bad idea. Uh, LAPD uh, is sort of known for this, and only 18% there in, in Los Angeles uh, get away, but if there's a helicopter involved, the, the stats go way down. And of course, you're just adding to your trouble. The end of every one of those chases is something bad. If it's nothing more than the legal problems that are down the road, don't try this at home. It is silly to try to run from the police. It's dangerous, it's stupid. And it is just as silly uh, to run from God. Uh, and yet, that's what happens in the story of Jonah, as we know, and really in our story. One of the things we're doing in this series is trying to look at, like, all of our journeys are unique, but in, in a sense, there are some predictable parts. And so, one thing that is predictable is that God initiates with us. There is an encounter with God. In some sense, in all of our lives, this is going on. And just as predictably is our own resistance to that. That's where you are in the journey today. We're going to talk about our resistance. So last week we started exploring that encounter with God and how Moses was called. And Moses immediately had excuses why he was not God's guy for the task at hand. And we do the same thing. The book of Jonah is intended to be an extreme example of running from God. It is like getting on a tractor. It is like getting in the boat that goes four miles an hour. It is an ancient story. It's set in the setting of the story is in the 8th century before Christ. It is intended to be a story that is funny and extreme. It's okay to laugh at ourselves and our silliness as we try to run from God. It just is, it's just silly. Why do we do this? Uh, and, and yet we do. And Jonah is full of extremes. We'll see in a second. And those extremes help highlight the realities of our own resistance. They help us see them. Um, and so there's some, you know, as we talk about these ancient texts, there are places where we can get tripped up. And you, uh, some of people, uh, as they look at Scripture, hope that everything in Scripture is something that happened literally. And some people need to know that it's okay to say maybe this is a story that helps prove a point. And so did somebody really spend three days in the belly of a whale? I think it is intended to be a story that helps us see our humanness. I think it's a story of fiction in the Bible, and the Bible has those. Some of the things in the Bible are things that happen to people, and some of them are stories to help us see ourselves. And I think this is one of those. It's an extreme, extreme story about how we run from God. The book of Jonah begins like every story, with an encounter with God. Jo God initiates with Jonah. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, go to the city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come before me. 
Jonah's role is uh, that of prophet. And one thing to understand about prophecy in the Bible is not really about predicting the future. It's always about speaking for God and God's message for people to come back to him. It's always about that. Even when the message sounds like, hey, doom and gloom, it, it, you're done, it's over, that's never actually the case. The, the message of the prophet is to bring people back from where they are. And so God reveals himself to Jonah. God initiates, there is an encounter, and it shows something about what God wants for the world. He, he wants people to repent or to turn from their evil or to come to him. And so he sends Jonah, clear enough. The job of a prophet is to go. God sends Jonah to go. It seems easy. But the problem is uh, where, where God is sending, and that place is Nineveh. That doesn't mean a lot to us, but to Jonah it, meant, it did mean a lot. It meant the very place he didn't want to go, and that's the extreme here, right? God is asking Jonah to go to the very place he did not want to go. Can anybody relate to that? Uh, this ancient city was located on the Tigris River in what is now modern-day Iraq. You look at that green arch on the right top of the, of, of the right of that, you see Assyria, and then right to the left above it is Nineveh in modern-day Iraq. This great city, as it says in Jonah, uh, is the place, uh, the seat of, and would be the capital of the Assyrian Empire, known in the ancient world for its atrocities and its cruelty. You do not mess with these people. And so you can imagine Jonah is not thrilled about the job. He's not thrilled about the calling. You might also think that Jonah is scared about what God is asking him to do. But it's not until actually the last chapter that we discover it's something else. That, that, that God is sending Jonah to t tell these people to repent, and Jonah is actually afraid that they might, and that he'll go and give them a second chance, and then God will forgive them. And this is what he says to God. Jonah says to God, isn't that what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? This is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you're a gracious and compassionate God. I knew that you're slow to anger and abounding in love. I know that you're a God who relents from sending calamity, blah, 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 blah. And that's what you're going to do to these people who do not deserve that much grace. Do you ever get tripped up in thinking that people don't get what they deserve? Is this maybe one of our major points of resistance? And sometimes that, that comes not in the form of uh, sort of something so blatant. Maybe, maybe it's something that happens to us in life and it doesn't seem fair. And, and, and out of our hurt and out of our frustration, we look at the world and it's not as it should be. And we wonder where God is in the midst of that. And our, our resistance is somehow based in that hurt and that pain. Jonah resists God's call because he doesn't want to do life on God's terms. He, he, he doesn't understand what God is up to. And he wants bad people to get what they deserve. I think most of us, feel like this should be a world where there is some justice. And we struggle with this. Some of us struggle because we don't think life is fair. Hurt because of the pain we've experienced. And some where in that resistance looks like giving up on God. Giving up on people. Giving up on hope. Giving up on the sense that maybe there is a grander vision for this world and there's purpose and we ought to 
risk and sacrifice to make it happen, maybe it's just not worth it. And so instead of saying yes to God's invitation, Jonah takes off in the complete opposite direction. I think there should be an amen here because this is intended to be extreme as well. Let's put it up on the map. You see where we were, we've blown up now. And you see over here, modern-day Iraq, and this is a three-day journey from where Jonah was. He goes instead to Joppa and takes the ship that goes completely the other way. Do you know where Tarshish is? If that's Iraq, do you know where Tarshish is? Way over here in Spain. Have you traveled this part of the world? That's pretty far, right? It's, 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 it's intended to be extreme. Jonah goes in the complete opposite direction hops on the tractor and thinks he's going to get away from God. Here's what we can take away from the story. Three things. One, first, we can't outrun God's presence. Jonah 1, 3 says, but Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarsi, headed for Spain. Now that word run away is not just about location. It is actually a relational word. He ran away not from just from God's plan, but from God. He ran away from God's presence, from the relationship. It has the connotation of a break of a relationship that was once fine, but now is not. Does faith ever like that? It's like, it's fine, it's fine, and then it's just what, what the bottom drops out. Then it's just not. Is that part of your story? Jonah is attempting to outrun God's presence. The problem is, where can you go, right? Maybe Jonah should, have read, <clears throat> Jonah should have read Psalm 139, which reads, Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, like if you're in the belly of a fish for three days, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. We can't flee from God's presence. It's silly to try, but of course we do. And what I think this looks like practically is that we live sometimes like God's present with us, and then we live other times like he's not. And you know, some of the times we like this. I mean, much of the time we want to say, we find comfort in saying, God's with us. God will never leave you. God will never forsake you. When we need God, we're signing up for this. But then there are other times, aren't there, where we kind of wish God would just kind of take a step back or or so. I saw uh, a picture of some friends of the family moving their son into college, into his dorm room this week. And... um, the, uh, you can imagine, if, you, if you've not done this, you can imagine what it's like uh, to turn your kid loose into the world. And it's, it's nerve-wracking. And uh, we're, we, my truck actually is, is loaded up right now, right after church. We're going back to Louisville to do this for the second year in a row uh, with Luke. The first, you would think it would be more fun. Uh, the second time, it's not. Uh, not. And there's some anxiety for parents, like, what happens when we're not there? So our, our, these friends of the family uh, installed this little, uh, it's like a, like a wall cling or something that goes over the the, uh, arch of the door, the corner of the door, and it's Jesus. It looks like Jesus peeking over the door, and it says, I saw that. We can't outrun God's presence. Mama wanted to give son just a little reminder of that for his year at college. We can't run from God's presence. 
You know, evidently there's nothing like being miraculously saved by a fish. Did you catch that? The fish was not a punishment. The, ship, the, the fish was part of the salvation of Jonah. It was God sending something to, to counter the silliness of trying to run from his presence. And there's nothing like sitting in that big old fish and smelling the fish for three days that doesn't maybe change your perspective on life. In the belly of the fish, Jonah realized that despite his best efforts, God is still present. And what you read, if you look at Jonah 2, is actually Jonah breaking out into worship around this very fact, that God never leaves us or forsakes us that we can't outrun God's presence, and that actually it's a good thing. What the story tells us also is that we can outrun God's purposes. Now, it is easy for us to say, oh, we want what God wants. It is easy for us to, to pray, thy will be done on earth as it is to he- in heaven, except when that starts messing with our world. We, we can say we want God's purposes, but what we find in the journey is that we don't always. We like to think that we're loving people and that we're patient, and then we do things like get married. And we discover maybe we're not as patient as we thought we were. We do things like having children, and we discover we're maybe not as patient and loving as we thought we were. We could go on, right? We we go through life, and we think we're strong, and we we can figure it out, and then life knocks us on our tail, and we think, okay, maybe I'm not as together as I, I imagined. That's the, the way it goes. Here's, here's the way of saying it. God meets us at our point of Christ-unlikeness. Like, part of the journey is this painful thing of this clash, this resistance between the people we think we are and the people who we discover we are. The desires that we think we have and the desires that we discover we actually have. That, that we're not maybe as on board with this God thing as we thought we were. It's okay to admit that because it is part of each of our journey. That point of resistance is the point where God begins to wear down our rough edges. God wanted Jonah to be part of his grand vision for the world, that anybody and everybody could be brought into a story of redemption, that even the worst of the worst could find forgiveness and turn from their evil ways. And that sounds great when that's offered to us, but it is a pain when it's offered to anybody else. Let's just have a moment of honesty for a second. Wouldn't it be a lot easier in life not to have to worry about the other people? Right? Wouldn't it be a lot easier in life not to have to care about how, how we act affects folks? Wouldn't it be great if we could just do business and do life and kind of just, kind of in a very American way, just look out for myself and let other people look out for themselves? And that'd be... Doesn't it seem like it would be a lot easier not to have to care about the people who clash with us and have a different opinion about things and a different perspective? But what we know is that that it isn't actually better. That, That as we become divided as people, as we spend time with people who think like us, that things get worse. That the thing that that saves us is actually God working despite our differences and bringing us together. And so when we would like to head the other way because the people don't deserve our time and our grace, God, that's where God sends us. It's a real pain. It's really frustrating. It'd be so much easier if we didn't have to do that. But apparently God has bigger purposes than ours. Apparently God really, really does care about 
every single person. And the point of our resistance reveals the fact that we really, really don't. And that's a terrible discovery. And it's also the place where God begins to reform us and redeem us. Most of us say we want good for other people and that we're signing up for whatever God wants. And most of us will find there's a point in our lives that we don't. This, for me, I'll tell you an example. When I, um, when I was in my journey, I felt called to ministry when I was nine, nine years old. I started preaching when I was 15. I started serving a church when I was 18. I went to college uh, with this in mind. And then after four years of college, I was, what, what, 22 years old, and I felt like my life was about over, and I couldn't imagine spending three more years in school. And so ultimately, I stretched that to three and a half, you know. Um, but what I, what I did was I took a year off between college and seminary, and I explored ministry. I, I served a church and tried to figure out, this really what I want to do with my life? And I felt like it was, and I felt like God was calling me to it, and I felt like there was no question about that. But when it was time to go to, to actually do it, it was harder than I thought it would be to, to leave, to go and spend, you know, sign up for three more years of school. It happened to be that Jenny was living in Owensboro and teaching school, and I would go to Louisville, so we would have to spend part of the, the week apart after about four, four years of marriage. And I just, without really seeing it coming, resisted it. Do you ever, like, resist the, the thing that's ahead of you just because it's just big or monumental? It, it, it's weird. It, we don't, it doesn't have to be, like, contrary to our own purpose. Uh, it was very much something I knew I needed to do. So anyway, I, I, I procrastinated. Maybe you do this. Just put it off as long as I could. I didn't leave my house physically until the last possible moment. This was Labor Day of um, the year 2000, 2001, 2000. And um, I stayed till the very end and I drove to Louisville and I was driving along the Ohio River kind of just wrestling with God about it. Three, three years seemed like a long time. And so I put on some worship music and I was trying to bring myself into a better place and I was singing this song and then I realized the words that I was singing. Do you ever do this? This was Clay Cross's I Will Follow Christ. And the words are, I will follow Christ, I will run the race, fighting the good fight, standing on my faith. It is easy to sing those words when they don't really mean anything. Standing on my faith, I will wear the name of Jesus, I will give him all my life, as for me, no matter what the sacrifice. And when I said the word sacrifice, it went, oh, dang it. I will follow Christ. It is part of each of our story that we're confronted with our Christ unlikeness, and then we have decisions to make. Here's the good news. Last point, we can't outrun God's love for us. So this is not a one-and-done thing. This is an ongoing thing, and the hope is that we become aware of our resistance. We own our own particular kind of resistance. It might, be, it might look physically like going from uh, Iraq to Spain, or it might be something very internal, this little rebellion that you have in you that you just go to whenever it gets tough, which is your version of, I can just check out anytime I want. This is an ongoing thing, but the good news is God's grace accounts for this. Jo Jonah initially runs away from God, and God keeps, keeps coming. So we will always resist, and God will always persist. Of course, resistance is not the better way. It's not fun. We're going to stink like fish if we keep doing it. 
And if we lean into God's purposes for our lives, it is always better. It is always better for us and for the world. But also equally true, if we say God to God, no, that doesn't mean it's over. Doesn't mean God quits, nor does that mean that we've lost our only chance. Sometimes we say no to God, we resist, and then God works on us. This is one of my favorite stories. When Pastor Laura came to work here 14 years ago, she had been uh, one of my students at Cadega Westland College when I was the campus minister there, and then she had worked as an intern in our office after she graduated. So I knew her well. I remember there was a day when she and I were talking, and she expressed her call to ministry, but she was part of another denomination that didn't allow women to be ordained. And so her path for herself was one through that denomination, and she went to work for them uh, out, of, out of college uh, at one of the denominational offices doing campus ministry. And I knew she was working there. I also knew as I came to Broadway, we had uh, an opening, a need, and so I thought, I'll just call her up. She would be great at this. And in the midst of the conversation, as we were talking about the job, I could tell that she was, like, whispering. Like, it was, like, super awkward. I couldn't, I couldn't figure, like, we know each other well. Like, we, what's going on, you know? So finally I said, where are you? And she said, I'm hiding in the closet. <laughs> and she was at work. Uh, it was like I was going into enemy territory and trying to bring some. It was so strange. Uh, uh, not quite the belly of a fish, but in the dark supply closet of another denominational ministry. And anyway, I ex- expressed what we were going to do. And she said, uh, in that conversation, she said, No. There's just, there's just no way that works for, for us. And she then, in a very Laura, if you know Laura, very Laura fashion, went home and crafted an email with all the points of why what I suggested was a bad idea for her. Like, there, it was like an outline form, right? Point B, da, 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 points, you know, all the way down. Um, and so that was it, but it wasn't, obviously. Uh, so a week later, she called me back and said, oh, I've been praying, <laughs> And I think we should talk. And, of course, the rest is history. She's been here 14 years. She's our Greenwood campus pastor. She's an executive minister and has served us well. She also left a denomination where she, uh, she couldn't have been in ministry the way that she is. She couldn't have preached. Um, by the way, the first time I asked her, you know, if she would preach, uh, she actually um, she gets on to me all the time for picking my, the right moments, like at, at work in another denominational office or the, when I talked to her about being the Greenwood campus the first time, the Greenwood campus pastor the first time. Uh, she had the flu. Uh, so she, I think, threw up after I asked her. <laughs> Such is our internal resistance. But just because we say no to God does not mean it's over. And so let's reflect for a little bit. In fact, in this series, we have a journal. And those, those are, these are wel- in the welcome area um, for us to reflect. And the whole p- purpose of those is to think about our own journey and to spend 30 minutes in the week thinking about where we are. And this week's reflections are around, are around our own resistance. How we say no to God. How we have run from God. How we have hopped on the tractor. Part of that reflection is to ask ourselves, how has that worked for us in doing this? Part of the reflection is to get to the real deeper rebellion in each of us. The deeper reason behind our resistance. Whether it's fear whether it's need to do life on our own terms, whether it's frustration with God for how life has turned out, 
Perhaps it is because we have sensed that God has a greater purpose for us and we just cannot imagine God's grander vision. And so it's just easier to somehow settle. Perhaps you've told God no over and over and over again and it's just not working. And so we're just going to own all that. We're going to reflect on why we do it and then confess to God our desire to do something different. The good news is just a little bit of desire to go a different way goes a long way. If we have faith like the size of a mustard seed, Jesus says. And so we're going to put this on the screen. It is a a prayer of confession. We've used this um, over the years in times where we kind of need to get into this tension of we say we want to be a part of God's stuff, but we kind of don't. And so this confession gets at that. Uh, So I'm going to lead us and have us say this together, and then we'll take just a moment uh, of silent prayer, and then I'll pray for us. Uh, So let's join in the words on the screen, and uh, with good voice, make our confession to God. O God of mercy, we come before you again, longing to enter your kingdom. But we confess that we don't want to. We prefer what is easy over what is right. We prefer the comforts of this world over the high calling of the cross. And so, Creator and King, unmake us, forgive us, refashion our desires, recreate us in your grace, so that in Jesus' name we would be free to resist what is evil to love what is beautiful, to choose what is difficult, and to, in joyful obedience, discover your kingdom. Amen. Let's pray together, and as you've said those words, I'm sure there's somewhere where that has hit home for somebody today. So let's just rest in God's grace, trust in God's care, wonder at God's patience with us, And find on the other side of our rebellion is not shame or God's anger, but God's invitation to try again. God, would you meet us in these moments as we acknowledge our resistance to you? And as we continue in worship, may these next moments be tender in your sight and in your presence as we offer ourselves to you, having in some way said no, in these moments finding a way to again say yes to the journey. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.